The Psalms are not simply a way of giving us expressions to the emotions that we already feel. The Psalms are actually there to instruct our feelings, to tell us how we ought to feel, to invite us into feeling the emotions that God feels, so that our every part of who we are might be conformed into the image of Christ. And I don't think that there's a better way to do that than to look at the imprecatory psalms, because these are psalms that we have a very hard time conforming to. Today on the Song Time broadcast, I'll share with you one of my messages on an imprecatory psalm. And continuing our summer psalm series, we'll look at Psalm 83 as we discover what God's thoughts and feelings are about sin. Stay tuned for that. But first, we'll be joined once again by Mark Jones in our theology series as we break down the doctrine of sin and the many voices come together for that one message. I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. This week, we are continuing on in our year-long study, breaking down various doctrines of the church, as we have been committing to help you understand theology, doctrine, as the foundation of our faith. If we don't teach it, we end up losing it or under, misunderstanding its importance as a foundational understanding of who we are as Christians. And over the course of the year, we've been talking about various topics. Earlier, we had Mark Jones on the broadcast talking about uh, theology proper based on his book. God is. Well, he's joining us once again for this month's discussion as we talk about his book, Knowing Sin, Seeing a Neglected Doctrine Through the Eyes of the Puritans. Great privilege to have him with us again. Mark, thank you so much for being a part of the Many Voices for that one message. Always great to talk about sin, so uh, thank you for having me on. <laughs> well, it's not really the most exciting topic to cover, uh, but you do very well in the book. So why don't you get started by telling us, let's just kind of let the cat out of the bag, why the subject of sin? What's so fun about sin? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if, if I would call it fun. I mean, it was a fun book to write because it's it's uh, you you get to look at yourself in a mirror, in a sense, and mm-hmm. actually... You, you learn about yourself and we're always learning about ourselves and I don't know if we, we will ever fully be aware of who we really are at times. I think in God's mercy, he sometimes even preserves us from seeing things. So, um, yeah, I think for me it was important to, to, to just learn about human nature. I, I'm a preacher, so I, I pastor every week to people. Uh, and I'm a scholar of the Puritans, and I felt they were the ones who would help me the most. So I kind of brought my preaching, my personal life, my pastoral life all together to, to talk about a topic that many don't like to talk about. Yeah. You mentioned uh, looking at it as like a mirror. And I used to have a professor who used to say that the Bible is a mirror. We hold it up to people to see who they really are. And sometimes it, you know, it shows all the blemishes and all the spots as well as the sin um, but uh, the world likes to do that as well and hold, you know, a mirror, a different kind of mirror up to people and just show them a better version of themselves. So let's talk about the differences there. How is the Bible a different mirror than the, the mirror that the world is kind of holding up to the world? For me, I think it's, it's actually there's two problems. One is the world doesn't show us that we are as bad as we really are, but the world also doesn't show us that we are better than what they think we are. So, mm. if I could explain that, I mean, obviously the Bible tells us about original sin and how it affects us in every conceivable way to every part of our being. And, you know, outside of Christ, it's really bad in Christ indwelling sin. But what the Bible does is it holds out hope. And then the hope is such that 
given the spirit and the grace of God, we can be actually called good or righteous or holy. And so the world can never do justice to what we are by nature, but the world can never also do justice to who we are by grace. And so they kind of have this position that doesn't really have any truth to the matter as far as Christians are concerned, for, for sure. Mm. It does seem that the the idea in the world, you know, it works because it plays off of uh, an insecurity, I think, that we all have. We all want to do better, and it tells us we're not good enough, but we can be better if we just, you know, pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. Uh, but that is, as you mentioned, it's kind of not a very encouraged message. It doesn't really address the real problem, and it doesn't offer the real hope that we actually need to actually uh, get sin, put sin to death and overcome our, our unrighteousness to put on the righteousness of Christ. It's quite liberating, I think, to realize how bad we are by nature mm. uh, in, a, in a bit of a strange way. If you think about, you know, if we really are that bad, then the only hope is outside of ourselves. But if you're not that bad, maybe you can sort yourself out. So I, I actually say, you know, read this book and, and read other treaties on sin and, and be refreshed by the fact that by nature, you are without any hope for yourself, and then you can actually see progress in Christ that is real and true and, and, and ultimately saving. We've been talking with Mark Jones about his book called Knowing Sin, Seeing a Neglected Doctrine Through the Eyes of the Puritans. It's a great resource, and in fact, we're going to be making it available to you as a thank you for your support to the Songtime Ministry. As we are trying to encourage you to understand theology and doctrine, we believe that this is a doctrine that is often overlooked and one that we ought to be covering that we probably wouldn't delve into uh, knowingly or willingly. It's not a topic that we typically want to read about, but it is a a topic that we need to read about. We need to discover the importance of, of knowing the powers and the sway of sin so that we can grow by killing sin and being transformed into the image of Christ. That's why we want to make this book available this month as a thank you for your support to the Songtime Ministry for a donation of any amount. Write to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or give us a call, 508-362-7070. Well, today we are continuing our Summer Psalm series, and in the same vein of talking about sin, today we're going to be looking at Psalm 83. It's an imprecatory psalm. It's a psalm that deals with the judgment of God, the anger that he has towards sin, and how we ought to respond to it as we pray for God's justice and judgment in our world. Now, this is a very important psalm and one that I had to preach myself because I quite honestly didn't want to skip over it, but I couldn't find any other good sermons on Psalm 83. So, in this week's message, you'll hear from one of my sermons, a recent sermon that I preached on this passage. Hopefully, it encourages you and challenges you to understand the importance and the seriousness of sin as we seek to be conformed into the image of Christ. So, let's delve into Psalm 83. When I was in college, I had a roommate that uh, listened to very heavy, angry rock music. After he became a Christian, he decided he, he wanted to listen to a Christian version of the same genre, and because he still liked that genre, but he knew it wasn't right. The lyrics and the songs that, he was, that they were singing, the the, the messages that they were conveying were not right, but he still really enjoyed that style of music. So he would listen to alternative versions of that in, in Christian form. 
which for me was rather strange. I did not grow up in that kind of environment. I didn't really particularly like that kind of music. Uh, but whenever he would get angry, he would turn this music on and blare it. Imagine, if you can with me, listening to really heavy rock music with these deep guttural screaming with the lyrics of Amazing Grace. Uh, this is, it just, the, the lyrics just don't quite match, the message doesn't quite match the song and the style, does it? There's a dissonance there. Ironically, for my friend, it didn't have much of a redemptive quality because he was listening to it because he was angry and it didn't help him have a, a transformation in his anger. It didn't give him something else in his anger. It actually just fueled his anger and it became a problem that perpetuated over and over again. So I'm, I'm curious today as I'm looking at this psalm, a psalm that deals with anger in some way, shape, and form, I'd like to ask this question, how, how are you today when it comes to relating to anger? Do you feel like you have good control over your anger? Um, maybe you let it go a little bit too often, or maybe it happens, it sneaks in every once in a while. Maybe you feel guilty, uh, ashamed about it afterwards. It, anger has a way of kind of exposing our emotions and allowing people to see right into us. And, and sometimes we get embarrassed that people can see right through us. They can see how we're reacting, and, and that causes us to feel a bit of shame. Maybe you've worked on your anger a little bit and you, you try to make sure that it's calculated and it's pointed and it's directed at the thing that you should be angry at. But how effective are you at hitting the bullseye? Is there ever any collateral damage to your anger? Think about this as we raise children. And you, want to, you want to root out the sin in their life, but sometimes our attempts to do that causes a little bit of uh, a complex the years, doesn't it? Uh, in, in a sense, we all end up confessing, even with good intentions, when our anger has gone awry, haven't we? We have a very difficult relationship with anger. It's a negative emotion, and therefore we view it as a negative thing. And we have a hard time relating to it, even when we see it in the Word of God. Maybe you struggle whenever you hear about the anger of God the wrath of God. Maybe we try to avoid those passages. We don't spend a lot of time in the Old Testament because God in the Old Testament is a little bit scary, isn't he? There's times where we don't understand why he's acting the way he's acting. Let's just stick with the New Testament and the Gospels, the, the, the Jesus that we can actually understand until we get to the triumphal entry. And afterwards, as Jesus came in that holy week, and cleanse the temple and turn the tables. Even Jesus got angry. How do we then relate to it? Are we afraid to come in close when God is angry? Do we fear Him like we would fear our Father when we know we've done something wrong? I had a, a puppy uh, years ago. He passed away. But uh, my, my little puppy, MacGyver, who was a great dog, and uh, every once in a while he would do something wrong, as we all do, Right? And I would come home and I would find the trash can all spread out across the floor. And MacGyver was nowhere to be seen. He wasn't there happily greeting me. Why, why wasn't he happy to see me? Because he knew. He knew that his father might be a little bit angry at what he had done. 
And sometimes we feel the same way, even when it comes to God. Anger is a complex emotion, and our tendency is to sort of avoid it. We've tried to be angry and sin not, but it hasn't really been effective, so we just kind of leave it stuffed up on the shelf and avoid it, and hopefully with maturity and years under our belt, maybe we'll come and address it down the road. But sometimes that time never comes. The Psalms have been written for us as a way to give us some insight into our emotions. Some have said that the Psalms are there for us to give word and expression to how we feel. You can read the Psalms of sadness and you can lament and feel that sadness in your own soul. And in many ways, those words give you the verbiage that you've been looking for to express how, what your emotions have been doing inside of you. And sometimes you can read a psalm that's just gladness and celebration, and you can respond to that by thinking, oh, this is a psalm that reflects my gladness, my joy, and my relationship with God. It's words that give you meaning to your feelings. But what do we do when we come to Psalm 83? Psalm 83 is called an imprecatory psalm. To implicate is to tattle on somebody. I've done my fair share of that. I had two older sisters, and uh, they were constantly doing things that were wrong. And I was the bearer of the truth to my parents. I was the good son. I always made sure that I told my mom what was really going on. Uh, that's to implicate, to narc, to snitch, right? To implicate means you are tattling on someone. But to imprecate, to imprecate is to take it a little bit further. To not only tattle on somebody, but then to ask specifically for the judgment that you think is fitting for the crime. And that's what this is happening. That's what's happening in this psalm here. I may have done that too with my sisters. I, I don't know. I don't know if I want to be too willing to admit it. But this is where we struggle with that. Because to, to imprecate, to, to talk about somebody's sin, to really go into it and address it, means that we are, we're asking for judgment on other people. And that's a little hard for us to do, isn't it? We don't have a very good relationship when it comes to judgment. So we're the people of grace. We're the people who have experienced God's love. I don't know how comfortable I am at asking God to punish his enemies. And yet, this is included in the scriptures for us today, for us to pray. The Psalms are not simply a way of giving us expressions to the emotions that we already feel. The Psalms are actually there to instruct our feelings, to tell us how we ought to feel, to invite us into feeling the emotions that God feels, so that our, our every part of who we are might be conformed into the image of Christ. And I don't think that there's a better way to do that than to look at the imprecatory Psalms, because these are Psalms that we have a very hard time conforming to. What are the Psalms that you're most familiar with? It's obviously Psalm 23. That's one of the ones that's most renowned for the shepherd psalm, that God is with us. He walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death. I think everyone's familiar with Psalm 23. Why? Because it's a comforting psalm. It gives us reassurance of the love and the comfort of God. But if we only read the psalms that we like, and the psalms that make us feel good, then 
we're really setting ourselves up for failure. We need to have the full counsel of God, and that's why it's important for us to understand not only the psalms of lament, the psalms of praise and rejoicing, but we have to look at the psalms of imprecation as well. What, how do we deal with sin in our life? How do we understand and relate to it? The Bible says a lot about sin. In fact, Jesus referenced hell far more than he ever referenced heaven in his earthly ministry. That says a lot. We have an imbalanced understanding of who God is and how God views the world. And as such, we don't take sin seriously enough. That's why the imprecatory psalms are so important. I hope that you'll join with us over the course of this week as we continue to unpack Psalm 83. And if you have been blessed and encouraged today, can I encourage you to be in a blessing and an encouragement back to us? You can write to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. That's 508-362-7070. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com or look us up on social media. But don't forget to tune in again tomorrow as we continue to unpack Psalm 83, discovering how this imprecatory psalm is speaking to us and that misnomer that we often feel that God is indifferent to our struggles. Whenever it feels like God is far away, God is not the one who has moved away from you. It's us who have moved away from God. There are times in our lives where it feels like God is far away. That's what the psalmist is experiencing. On behalf of everyone here at Songtime and our late founder, Dr. John DeBrine, who has always encouraged you to grow in grace so that you won't groan in disgrace, we want to thank you for listening. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse, Psalm 85, 4 and 7. Restore us again, O God of our salvation, and put away your indignation toward us. Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation.